0: all right hey i want to welcome everybody here today good to have the family back together to worship and uh, we have uh, family meeting out at our stone canyon campus as well as uh, others that'll be with us later online and so here at north garnett will you welcome them into our time here all right Hey, uh, this has been a good week around here at uh, First Church, Uh, a lot of activity. Wednesday night stuff was uh, great, and a lot of adult classes and groups meeting, as well as students, and one of our young ladies, 8th grader Megan White, was baptized uh, Wednesday night, so yay, Megan. And, uh, and then uh, Thursday, saw quite a few of you out at the Gathering on Main and, and at the Love 918 truck. Thank you for those who were volunteering and, and uh, rubbing shoulders with the community, and, and that was awesome. And then Friday night, had a bunch of junior hires up here for a uh, little invasion action and, uh, while the Ram football game was going on. So <laughs> Anyway... Um, so, and, uh, and then today, um, uh, one of our other young men, high schooler Wesley Hunter, is going to be getting baptized after this service. And so, excited about that. So, uh, good stuff. And you know what? If you're here today and um, you know that's your next step, you need to uh, take that uh, step in your faith, be baptized by immersion into Christ. We'd love to see you make that uh, decision today. We'd have, love to help you make that, uh, that step. So uh, uh, be thinking on that and praying about that. We'll see where that goes today. Hey, um, we've been in this series over the last several weeks called Who's Your One? And uh, Chad's been uh, just really lighting us up on this whole idea of that every one of us are missionaries. We are on mission for Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador for Jesus to be his representative, to be his mouthpiece in this world, and that we have people around us every day who are a potential one. They are a candidate for the gospel, and that Jesus can change anyone's story. And uh, may I hope you've been here for all of this uh, so far? If you've missed any of it, you can go to the app or the website and uh, watch those and uh, catch up with where we've been, all right? So, uh, but today we're gonna to be talking about being available to the one. Being available to the one. Uh, several years ago, many years ago, there was a grandma by the name of Donna down in Brazil who, uh, whose boyfriend, all right, uh, gave her for her birthday a little figurine. Okay, And when she got this figurine, um, because of her Catholic faith, she made an assumption that this was a uh, figurine of one of the saints. And she believed it was Saint Anthony. And so she kept this figurine next to her bed, and, and most nights, almost every night, for years and years, she would pray to Saint Anthony. Well, uh, last year, beginning of last year, uh, her granddaughter and great-granddaughter came to visit her, and the great-granddaughter was playing in her bedroom, found a little figurine, was playing with it, came out into the kitchen where, where her mom and other family members were, and showed it to her mom, and her mom looked at it, Donna's granddaughter, looked at it and thought, well, this looks interesting. And she asked the question, well, did St. Anthony have long hair, and did St. Anthony have pointed ears? And so she googled the, the picture of this figurine and discovered that this was not St. Anthony. It was Elrond, the Elf Lord of Rivendell from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so Donna had been praying to Elrond, the Elf Lord, for years, and her family, I guess, was just laughing, laughing, laughing for days and days. And they bought her a new St. Anthony uh, figurine, who usually is depicted with short hair or bald even, and uh, not pointy ears. So, um, yeah, a little confusion there. Um, Now, I'm not saying at all that we need to be praying to little saints and figurines. Don't get me wrong there. We're not part of the Catholic faith. But what I will say is we need to draw near to the one, the right one in our lives. If we want to reach one with the gospel, if we want to make a difference in this world, then we've got to walk in step with, we've got to draw near to, we need to make ourselves available to the one our Father in heaven Luke chapter six is where we're going to be at today if you have your Bibles or your app you can get there and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be tracking there in Luke chapter 6 starting in verse 12 a little bit of uh, uh, background of what's happening here Jesus has been in his uh, been really starting his ministry preaching teaching healing uh, Growing a following, okay, more and more people are following him and uh, listening to him, believing in him, beginning to put some belief into who he is and and so forth and so uh, but at the same time as he's growing his ministry, he's also growing opposition all right uh, right before our text, uh, we find the uh, the Pharisees, those leaders of the religious uh, of the jews uh, they have been quote furious at Jesus because of what he has done, uh, healing, particularly at that moment, healing a man on the Sabbath. And so they're furious at him and already beginning to plot how they might get rid of Jesus, already asking the question, what are we going to do about this Jesus? And so that's where we find ourselves when we come to this verse, Luke chapter 6, starting verse 12. Let's just pick it up right there. Here we go. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of Jam- uh, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Luke begins that section by saying, in these days. What days are we talking about? Those days of both growing in ministry as well as growing in opposition. And it's coming right off of this uh, text on the opposition that's growing that leads us into this time where, where it seems like Jesus has some... Uh, it doesn't seem like it is a time where he has a big decision to make. As opposition is growing... He knows that he needs to begin building a team around him, a team that he's able to hand things off to when he leaves this place. And so he's got a great decision to make. And so in this text, we find a time when Jesus went out to pray. This isn't something new for Jesus. It's not like, you know, he's like, uh, well, hey, what can I do now? Oh, let's try prayer. No, he's been doing this. If you just go back one chapter to Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. Luke says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was common for him to do. Would be no surprise to his followers, to his disciples, that he's going off to pray. Matter of fact, Luke, I think Luke wants to make sure we know that Jesus prayed often. There's at least 11 times through his account of Jesus' life and ministry that he talks about Jesus praying, either going out to pray or praying for something specific or someone specific. He wants us to know that prayer was an important part of Jesus' life and ministry it needs to be for us as well. So, if it was a common thing for him to get away and pray, why did he get away to pray this time? Well, maybe, okay, with opposition growing, maybe that's part of it. It's God, be with me in the midst of opposition. Give me boldness. Give me strength. Give me direction as, as this opposition's coming around me. He wants to make sure he's in step with God when it comes to that. God is Father. But maybe even more importantly than that, he is praying about, again, this big decision he has to make about who he's going to choose, this team he's going to choose, these men he's going to choose who will take the king, keys of the kingdom to, to launch the church once he is gone, to, to be responsible for the advancement of the gospel around the world. And so it seems that maybe that's The biggest thing he has to pray about and so he draws near to God he puts himself in a position to be able to hear from God he puts himself in a position to be able to be led by God his father and so again Luke says in these days Jesus went out he went out It wasn't again, it was wasn't uncommon for him to go out, but at this point he goes out. He gives this idea, gives the idea that he's very being very intentional about what he's doing as he as he leaves the norm, as he leaves the distractions of all the other followers and all, all the other people who are around. Maybe he's staying in a house, maybe it's in the city or whatever. He's going out, he's removing himself from that place to go to another place where he can be close to his God. He goes out. He goes to a place where he'll be surrounded by God's creation to the mountain, as we'll talk about in a minute. He goes to the mountain. I I don't know about you, but I feel a lot closer to God when I go out, when I go to the mountain, whenever I go to the lake. One of my favorite places to go to is Oolaga Lake. It's my place away from here whenever I get away to Redbud Marina area to the boat ramp there and just park maybe walk down the beach there and spend time with God that's where I like to go I like to get out most of my mornings I spend either on my back porch or my front porch because I like to be out because I just feel closer to God when I'm out in his creation and that's where we find Jesus he went out he was breaking from the norm and he went out to pray when was the last time that you have used that phrase in your life, that you went out to pray. Because we go out a lot, don't we? I mean, we go out to work, we go out to dinner, we go out to the lake, we go out to fill in the blank of all the places we go out to. We go out a lot. But how often do we go out to pray? to go out with intentionality to to step out of our norm, to step out from our distractions, to meet with our God, our Father in heaven, to draw near to Him and make ourselves available to Him. When was the last time you went out to pray? See, preparation is key. I think that's what we can see from from Jesus. He had the time at night and He had the location out to the mountain. That's the next thing that, that... Luke identifies for us when he went out he went to the mountain it wasn't just any mountain it was the mountain it seemed to be a normal place for Jesus to go to nobody would be surprised if they wanted to find Jesus he would probably be at the mountain praying to his father place of solitude place away from everything else where he could draw near to God and it was there as Luke con- continues it was there on that mountain where he would continue in prayer all night now that little phrase continue to pray all night gives us the idea that he did not sleep at all he was intense in his prayer he did not end up snoring to God like many of us have done right we have all been there right those late night prayers but not Jesus He draws near, and he prays with intensity all night long. I think, like Luke wanting to record all these times, different times of Jesus praying, I think it was important for Jesus to pass on to his followers, his disciples, the importance of prayer. I mean, we can go back, we can look at the Lord's Prayer, and, and, and know that, hey, he was teaching them, this is how you should pray, and he wanted them to know that. And I know, I believe that the disciples, they were watching his example all these times that he would go away and pray and he would do this. And we, as his followers and his disciples, ought to likewise recognize the importance of prayer and getting away and spending time with our God. D.L. Moody, great preacher of the past, said this, I'd rather be able to pray than to be a great preacher. Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach but only how to pray. And they seem to get that figured out. If you go to Acts chapter 1, verse 14, right after Jesus ascends, he he leaves them there to carry on the the gospel, advancement of the gospel and build the church. It's there that immediately in verse 14 it says, all these with one accord, all these being these apostles that we just listed that he's choosing, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to what? Prayer. You go just a little bit later over in Acts chapter 6 verse 4 and it is there that, that they've had some distractions. There's an issue in the church and they, that's where they make a declaration. Hey, we can't be involved in those things because we've got to pay attention to the ministry of prayer. I mean, they understood how important prayer was for them and they learned that from Jesus. And we need to learn that too. Now, Jesus, as he would pray all night, it was the next day that that prayer would lead him into action. That's what prayer is supposed to do. As we pray and as we open ourselves up to God and his leading and direction in our life, then we're to carry out what we... we feel God's leading us to do, and that's what Jesus does. Verse 13, Luke chapter 6. And when day came, the next day, he, Jesus, called his disciples. Some believe that there was as many as 70, uh, could be a little less, could be a lot more. We're not not exactly sure, but he calls his disciples, this whole group of those who are following him, and he chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. So from the large group, he pulls out the 12, the dream team. These are the guys that are going to launch the church, and he calls them apostles apostles. That word literally means one cent. They would be his messengers. They would be his mouthpiece. They would be the ones, again, that would advance the gospel. So they've got a huge job in front of them that he's about to give to them. But have you looked at this list? If you're a follower of Jesus and have been for a long time and a student of God's word, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you look at these guys and you look through this list, Others of you, maybe not so much, you're not real familiar with all their background, that's okay, but let's talk a little bit about these guys, this dream team that he's chosen here. Um, Peter, loud mouth, runs off of the mouth, foot in the mouth, okay, that's Peter. Uh, James and John, brothers, mama's boys, okay, helicopter mama, always hovering, always trying to make things good for their boys, for her boys. Matthew, tax collector, worked with the Romans to take money from the Jews. Wasn't very well liked among Jewish people. And then you had Simon the Zealot, who hated Romans and fought against them, sometimes maybe even physically as a zealot against them. So you've got Matthew with the Romans, Simon against the Romans. It's like taking uh, one guy who's on the extreme political left and another guy who is on the extreme political right and putting them on the same church board. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Thomas, if you know his story, he's known as the doubter. Bartholomew, many believe that he was actually Nathaniel, the same, same person who had somewhat of a racist streak inside of him. Judas Iscariot, Luke just wants to make sure we understand, he's the traitor. He's the one that will turn on Jesus, that will eventually send him to the cross. And so you look at this list of misfits, and maybe you can begin to understand why Jesus prayed all night. (laughs) It may be another Gethsemane moment. You remember whenever he was in Gethsemane, right before he would go to the cross, and he spends the night in intense prayer because he knows what's ahead, and he prays that prayer. God, if there's any other way for this cup to pass, any other way but not... My will, but Your will be done. Maybe it's a similar kind of prayer. God, if there's any other group, can can we find some other guys? God, God Father, I've spent time with them. It's going to take a lot more than three years to get these guys ready. Have you Have you looked at... And then he goes down the list. Have you looked at this guy? He's got great leadership skills. Have you looked at this guy? He's got a great pedigree. Have you looked at this one? And, And maybe he's kind of going back and forth with his father in heaven. God, are you sure? Are you sure these are the guys? This is not a dream team at all. Sometimes, who God leads us to and what God leads us through doesn't make much sense. Sometimes who God leads us to when we're talking in the context of our one, okay? Sometimes who God leads us to and what God leads us through, some of the circumstances that we find ourselves in that God leads us through, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And we wonder, and we question. I believe... The closer we draw near to our God, the more we make ourselves available to Him, the more we might be able to understand. And even if we don't understand, maybe it still doesn't make sense, the more we're able to trust and obey. If we'll just make ourselves available to Him. Hayden Robinson. Uh, great preacher from the past. He, talking about this group, this group of misfits, really, um, says this. He says, why this diversity? The diversity of these 12 guys on this that have been chosen. Why this diversity? Perhaps to teach us that loyalty to Jesus comes first. Discipleship, true to its name, requires us to learn love and obedience and submission in a diverse community of faith under one head, Jesus Christ. Listen, the church is made up is a community of misfits. Right? Look around. <laughs> mhm. We're a bunch of messes. We've talked about that. We're a bunch of messes. There's a diverse group in this place with a diverse Story, right? We all have all kinds of stories, all kinds of circumstances in our backgrounds, all kinds of messes that we've came up out of. And that's what makes this community so beautiful because we're all built up into the one head, the same person, Jesus Christ. We're all recipients of his grace and his forgiveness, and that's beautiful. And it's something to celebrate. So, even when who God leads us to and what God leads us through doesn't make sense, we can trust Him and know that he's still at work. Just this week, we got an email from some of our missionaries. There are uh, missionaries that we really don't use their names, <laughs> uh, and we don't even say where they're at because they're in a very volatile place and uh, we don't want to hinder them or put them in danger, but uh, we've got, we received this email from them. And, and in a moment in this email, that as they describe, it's a very raw moment as uh, the wife uh, shares some of what they're dealing with. And she says this Coming from a spot of raw honesty, I have been struggling these past few months with the seeming lack of answer to our prayers. Specifically, the prayers we've prayed with. Uh, with and over our friends and she's talking specifically with the people group that they're working with Um, we have prayed passionately and persistently over several of the women in the community and are so longing for them to experience god's presence and power but honestly i don't feel like god has met us in our prayers We've prayed in their presence for healing, opening of wombs, provision of housing, peace and places of of demonic dreams, and have seen at times things get worse for them. Maybe you hear the confusion. Maybe you hear this uh, feeling of this doesn't make sense. God, we are... Doing what we believe you've called us to do. Why aren't you doing what we think needs to be done? It just doesn't make sense. The people are right here. They're ready to receive. And you can hear that despair. She would go on in the email and explain how they continue to trust and they continue to obey and they continue to know that God's going to work and move. But it just is hard right now. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Maybe you've been there your own life circumstances and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and it just doesn't make sense but we continue, we are called to continue to draw near to our God to make ourselves available to him trusting that he will work and he will move in his own good time for his own good will And he will continue to change stories. Not always on our timeline. Not always the way that we want. But he continues to change stories. And as Chad said a couple weeks ago, God or Jesus can change anyone's story. And we need to trust in him. Continue to draw near to him. Because we know Jesus calls messy people. And the 12 that we have in this list is just proof. And so are we. we. We are the ones, we are the messy people that he calls. So, what are we being called to? What are we being called to in this idea of prayer and, and drawing near to our God and making ourselves available to him? Uh, you've probably heard it put this way before. But as we pray, we need to be praying that we might see with the eyes of Jesus that we might see with the eyes of Jesus as we continue to grow in our faith, as we continue to, to grow and uh, strive to grow in Christ's likeness and be, making ourselves more available to the Spirit's work in our life, that, that we will become more and more like Jesus. And we would begin to see people like Jesus. Especially when it comes, in this context of the ones, lost people in this world, that we would see them like Jesus sees them. What does that look like? Well, I believe, number one, that starts with seeing past the surface. Seeing past the surface. So many times, and believers, come on, you know I'm right on this. So many times, we write people off because of the outside. Whether it be their appearance, whether it be the way they talk, whether it be what we've heard about them, and we write them off and we say, mm, man, God can't do anything like that. Now, we might not verbalize that, but that's what we think. And we need to be able to see past the surface see the potential that is within every one of them, that they are a candidate for the gospel, that Jesus can change any one story for sure. We've got to see past the surface. This past week, I've uh, got to know, uh, a little bit got to know a lady in our community. I'm selling a vehicle, and she's wanting to buy it from me, and and um, I, I'll just say, she's a little rough around the edges. <laughs> and she's buying this from me, and I'm trying to get to know her, and, and uh, I can, I'm Pretty sure she's not a believer and she doesn't know I'm a preacher yet. I'm still incognito, you know, so I'm having fun. Um, but I'm trying to have these conversations. I even have told her, okay, I don't normally say, say this whenever I sell, sell a vehicle to somebody. I even told her if she has problems or questions, she can still come back to me on it. Right? I mean, come on. Ministry opportunity here, all right? Usually you sell a vehicle, it's like, it's yours. <laughs> Good luck. But, I think, like, man, maybe there's a potential. You know, she could be one that God's calling us to reach out to and, and minister to. But we've got to see past the surface. We've got to see past the roughness and, and recognize she's hurting. She's, she is searching for something, and she doesn't even know what. We've got to see past the surface. I think we're going to see with the eyes of Jesus also. We've got to be moved with the compassion of Jesus. We've got to be moved with the compassion of Jesus. It seems like the longer we're around messy people, the harder it is to maintain compassion. And maybe some of you can understand that. The, the more we are around that hurt, sometimes you get to a place where it's just like, come on, you know better than that. I know for me, 25 plus years of ministry, I, I, there are times where I go through that and I have to repent and I have to go <laughs> back to God's God and say, God, Give me compassion. Help me to remember my mess so that I can help others in their mess and be broken for others in the midst of their mess. Every one of us, again, have a messy story, and we can't forget that. You see, I, I think, you know, we even talking around, around the church. Maybe you've thought, had this thought, you know, uh, this whole idea. You know, we want to be a church that changes the world. We want to be a people that change the world. We want to be a, a, a people that changes Owasso and northeast Oklahoma. We want, to, we want to send people out all around the world. We want to take the gospel everywhere. We want to change the world. Well, it was Tolstoy that said this. He made this statement. He said, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. And if we're going to change the world, that's where it starts changing ourselves, praying for God to change us, to make us more like him, to have those eyes of Jesus, to see past the surface, to, to have the compassion that he has. We've got to pray for God to change us. If we're going to reach one, we've got to start with us, making ourselves available to the one. You see, we've got to spend time with the one to reach one. Now, here's what I know most of you in this room are followers of Jesus and you have been probably for quite a while most of your life you've come to church faithful you've been a part of you know groups and everything Bible studies and you've been learning and you have probably heard sermon after sermon or lesson after lesson on prayer and why it's important to pray right and probably, whenever in the beginning of my message, whenever I started to talk about, hey, we're gonna talk about prayer, some of you probably went, oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on, be honest. But why don't we? Why don't we go out to pray? Why don't we engage in prayer? Why don't we go past surface prayers at night whenever we just say, uh, God, thank you for this day. It was awesome. Help me to sleep good and have a great day tomorrow. Why don't we go deeper than that? Why don't we dive into our walk with Christ and make ourselves fully available to Him? I wonder if we look into our stories, into our life narrative, maybe in our background we can see why we don't. Maybe it's a trust issue because we had something in our life that we prayed and prayed and prayed over and God didn't come through the way we thought we, He should have and it was one of those moments that didn't make sense and so now, why should I pray to Him because He didn't come through then the way I thought He should have? Well, why pray for this situation? Why pray pray for this person. Why? Why? Because I don't trust him. Or maybe it's control issues because you know and we know if I, if I fully surrender to him and make myself available to him, then that means I have to do whatever he leads me to do. And sometimes that's not fun. And maybe I really don't want that because I want to be able to direct my life. We have control issues. And along that line, we also have comfort issues because we like to be comfortable. Because you know that if you surrender yourselves to Jesus, you know what he's going to do. He's going to send you to Africa. Right? I mean, he's going to send you somewhere. It's like, but I like my bed. I like my home. I like our little community. I like this. It's comfortable here. I don't want to go somewhere else. And I know that if I lead, you know, surrender everything to him, like we sing about, like we talk about, then I'm going to have to live in a hut with a dirt floor. Right, We have comfort issues. And maybe there's other things we can put on that list of reasons why we don't pray, reasons why we don't draw near to him, reasons why we don't make ourselves available to him. Because he might just send us to someone. Praise God. <laughs> and then we would have to talk to them. And then they might ask a question that I don't know. And it would be uncomfortable. Get over it. We all deal with questions that we don't know. Just know how you're going to answer to the question you don't know. Hey, I don't know. (laughs) Pretty easy. But I can find out. I'll go talk to somebody who knows. I'll Google it. Why don't we pray? If we're ever going to change the world, if we're ever going to change wassaf, if we're ever going to change our church, if we're ever going to change ourselves? we've got to pray. We've got to draw near to our Father in heaven, make ourselves available to him, surrender to him. And so we need to go out and pray. I want to challenge you to do that. Get out and pray. What circumstance in your life do you need to be praying about? What lost person in your life do you need to be praying for? Uh, I heard a statement one time, probably maybe you have too. uh, If God answered every prayer, prayer you prayed today, how many people would come to faith in Christ as a result? How many lost people are we praying for? Probably not very many. What sin in your life do you need to be praying about, surrendering to Christ over? What big decisions are coming up in your life that you need to be handing over to to God, talking to God about, and not your coworker or friend or somebody else, but you need to be going to God about. We need to go out and spend time with God. I think what happens, might happen, is when we make ourselves available to the one, when we draw near to him, we might just find out that we've been praying to the wrong one, going to the wrong one for a long time. Maybe it wasn't Elrond, the elf lord of Rivendell, but maybe we've been depending on going to the God of self. We've been going to our God of comfort or control, whatever, the other gods in our lives that we let in because they don't ask as much. We need to make ourselves available to the one. Let's be a church that goes out to pray. And then, we might just see, then, let me say it a different way, we will see God change the world. Father in heaven, we want to be a people of prayer. Help us. God, you know what, often we allow to stand between us and You. God, You know those things in our lives, the circumstances or the uh, past hurts maybe that we allow to come between us and You. God, You know why many that call You Lord with our lips don't show that with our lives by surrendering to you God you know you know us you know our hearts God bring conviction where there needs to be conviction here today today God may we may we have this passion this desire within us just to draw near to you and to walk with you every day to be close in relationship with you, to recognize your reality, to recognize that you are a God who desires to be near your people. God, help us to take advantage of that. Help us to move in and go deep with you. God, we love you. Help us to love you more. Help us to trust you greater. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.